Hey, you're listening to the Dudes Talking Sports Podcast. I'm Casey Foreman. And I'm Austin Baroff. We're a couple of guys talking about what's going on in the world of sports. This is our first podcast together, and it'll be streaming on Spotify every Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to Dudes Talking Sports. I'm Casey Foreman, uh, alongside virtually my co-host Austin Baroth. Austin, what's up, man? Hey, what's up, man? So, big, big draft this past week. Um, we, we, we got a lot to talk about, so I'm going to defer to you right away. Uh, what are your opening thoughts on this year's NFL draft? Um, for it being the first virtual NFL draft. Oh, yeah, virtual NFL draft, too. Thank you. Yeah, I think everything was uh, pretty smooth sailing. I, I enjoyed it. I think that everybody else I saw on social media, they seemed to enjoy it as well. Yeah. Um, everybody I've talked to, it, it, it was good. Um, and not only just as an entertainment aspect, but I think a lot of the teams just did well, you know? Yeah. It's hard to point out any teams that was just like blatantly just did terrible in the draft this year. Right, I agree with you. Um, and yeah, being being the first, hopefully the only virtual draft. Hopefully we don't have to have that anymore uh, going forward. But yeah, not not any issues really. I think people loved seeing uh, the commissioner in between the cuts, him chilling at his house. I think in the second uh, or third round and on, we saw him kind of slacking off in his chair, you know. Uh, just sitting at home, so I thought that was kind of funny to see him in a different aspect. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of teams did well. Um, I think one team in particular did, did very well. I'm a little biased, but um, yeah, great virtual draft. And as far as uh, entertainment-wise, um, this is the first draft that I can say that I, I sat down and watched it, um, you know, actually wanting to watch it and uh, you know, having a good time during, uh, while watching. So, uh, that obviously could have been because there was nothing else on TV. Um, but still I had a good time watching and, uh, yeah, virtual draft went, went very well. I had, I had a, I had a good experience with it. And, uh, so let's, let's narrow it down a little bit. There, there are, there, I know you said there are no teams that stick out as losers, but there are obvious uh, winners on draft day. Are there any that just stand out to you right from the get-go? Like, wow, that team did very well. Well, I mean, as you hinted out earlier, it's pretty clear. I think uh, the Cowboys did a pretty good job, especially in the early half. They were definitely doing uh, getting some steals. I would have to say, I think... Uh, I think San Francisco did pretty good. I've been hearing, um, I've been hearing that too. Yeah. If you if you also include the whole trade with like Williams because of Joe Staley retiring, like I think all of it actually works out pretty well. Um, I'd also have to say, I mean, I think the Bucks did pretty well themselves too. Yeah, they they seem to fill some holes. They uh, mm-hmm. need to be filled, so. Any, like, home run, dang, didn't see that coming moves you saw? Honestly, um, I didn't see, oh, we talked about it and how it could, but Simmons dropping to Cardinals, uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. No, yeah, I did not see that coming. I think everybody saw him go in top four. If he didn't go the Giants he was going to drop and it was interesting to see where he was going to end up dropping to and I think that's uh, it's an interesting fit there in Arizona and I think they've they did a pretty well job no I'm glad they didn't end up picking a receiver with their pick I'm glad they ended up taking something they need and um, a guy who can do so many things and uh, yeah dude that was that's a great um yeah, great choice. That that was very surprising to me as I remember watching and just just being like, "Whoa, they're not taking him either." You know, where is he going? Uh, after the Giants uh, passed on him, uh, but yeah, that was a great point. Great point. Um, but as far as teams that I think knocked it out, 
some that stand out right away. Obviously, my Cowboys. Um, San Francisco did pretty well, it seems. Uh, Eagles, not not so well. If I if I can want to point out teams who I didn't think do controversial takes, we can talk about it yeah, a little more. Um, but very uh, controversial. I think everyone's going to have a, maybe a different opinion on this move. Um, makes sense in some ways. Other ways doesn't make sense. Um, you know, screw it. Let's talk about it right now. What do you think about them taking Jalen Hurts in the second pit with the uh, second round pick? It is. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, I believe Carson Wentz is now turning or is twenty seven. Really, he's already twenty seven. Yeah, dude. Um, <sighs> Dang. He's been in the league a couple years. No, Dak's getting older as well. Um, you know, he's already had a couple. It's you know, he's had it's a few not injuries, really fault, man. But he's More than a few. Injury prone. Um, yeah. I mean, it's like a, it's a good thing, you know, to have a good young quarterback to developing on your roster. No, it's there's worse things but to have, you know, right? Worse problems to have, but second mm, round pick, it's a little exact, it, it, yeah. It's a little iffy. If I was Carson Wentz, I definitely would be. Uh, I definitely would be a little spooked in my boots. Just kind of really know that your job's not a hundred percent anymore. I mean, with all the injuries, you know, we saw Drew, we saw New Orleans go out and get Teddy Bridgewater in the past, and I think now they have Jameis Winston. Uh, that was like I saw I saw that on. Yeah. Online, but was that not true? No, he has officially signed with them, to my knowledge. Okay, so uh, another good example of of a of an organization with their guy at quarterback uh, going and getting a solid backup, just because uh, their quarterback is either getting high in age, uh, like it is in New Orleans, and injury prone, or just the plain fact that they seem to get hurt a lot, like Carson Wentz, um, and the fact that. That the Eagles have been in—I uh, can't remember how many playoff games. I believe it's—I know Carson Wentz has played in four playoff games, uh, or, or he's he's been around yeah. in four, and he he has thrown the ball, or he, he has uh, completed a pass once in a playoff game. Uh, that that just kind of shows the durability factor to him. We've seen him have MVP caliber seasons, but. It's just that he's more than likely, if, if I had to gamble, you know what I mean, if I had to make a guess on it before the season, you said, is Carson Wentz going to be playing? Let's say the Eagles make the playoffs. Is he playing in the playoffs? Is he the starting yeah, quarterback? That, that's I'm exactly, probably going to say you, no. You know, the dude in the season, it's like, is he going to like take all those hits and by the end of the season he's going to still be there? Yeah. That, is, that has seemingly been the problem. But have you seen the stories coming out about them possibly just using like the two quarterback a two quarterback offense, uh, possibly you know using uh, no, him I've, him at different um, positions or no I've definitely heard that kind of in that situation though it's like what if they use some like a Taysom Hill has been yeah, used to exactly that, that's, it's like, that's yeah Jalen's an athlete but he's not Taysom Hill like Taysom Hill is very obviously just big dude and he's just a football player he can do all of it yeah yeah like, I agree I, I uh as, as a some passes oh, sorry, or something like that or maybe just like do some like or like but it's not he, he, I as a Cowboys I fan much as you would with like a Taysom Hill right as I a Cowboys know. fan I am uh I'm happy with their them making that pick uh, I don't think they had a very good draft. I know they needed some receivers, and their defense was lacking last year, and they ended up obviously taking their quarterback in the second round. Um, but as a Cowboy fan, I like it. I don't think it really sets them up too well, even though, even though, like I said, you, you do need a quality backup. You lost Nick Falls, and you need a quality guy, but it, the, the fact that they use a second-round pick, you know, they, the, the Saints got Jameis Winston as a backup for cheap. Uh, that's why I don't think Jalen Hearns or, uh, is, is necessarily uh, just the backup. He is somewhat the plan for the future just in case we see another major injury, you know? Oh, exactly. 
So different moves. still there mm-hmm. i know it's storming right now so if we have any difficulties or you hear any thunder or anything that's why um but you know i think there's lots of factors that go into that that pick and and i i think in the long run quite honestly that it will it will honestly help them more than hurt them um because i don't think wentz is too durable of a player and not that he's not gonna be around for a long time i think he will but I think he is going to miss games consistently in his career, and if Hearns is okay with that position he's in, uh, great pick, you know? Yeah, exactly. But, uh, again, there are other positions needed, more more than the quarterback position since he already got one. Uh, but, again, that just shows that uh, the, that just shows uh, how the Eagles, I think, view Carson Wentz. Well, and, and it's really interesting, actually, when you think about it in that way, because that's the thing both the Packers were kind of in, in the fact that they should have went and got receivers and they got a, a quarterback instead in Jordan Love. No, exactly. Two, We have two teams with quarterbacks where it's like, hey, they need weapons, and instead of getting them weapons, they got That That's actually the thing I wanted to talk about next. Very uh, interesting. That's exactly what I want to talk about next. The Packers getting Jordan Love, moving up uh, to get Jordan Love. Stories came out today that that was somewhat the plan uh, the whole time. If uh, since everyone did expect Jordan to fall, um, that was kind of the plan the whole time. And uh, man, Aaron Rodgers, that how are you feeling if you're Aaron Rodgers? You know, a first round pick on a quarterback when you're Aaron Rodgers. He has to be very upset. Um. Cause, yeah, man, when they move up like that, when when it already looks like he's still gonna fall to you, and you still are just like, no, like we want, like, like so that means they're very, very sold on Jordan. No, like he was their guy. The fact that you move up and select him is, uh, even though he was probably, probably gonna fall to you anyway. Um, there's no necessarily a guarantee, obviously, um, but. Yeah, the fact they move up, it's like, hey, we want this guy, yeah. and and we think he's going to be useful in a year or so, two years. And uh, I, it really it really points to the direction that Matt LaFleur would be wanting to implement like his way of like his offense and kind of just not, you know, he wants to step away from Rodgers. Uh, because LaFleur wants to do more of the simple just – you know, run the ball, run the ball. No, exactly, man, exactly. And uh, I think we saw we saw his stats go down, obviously, this past year, and we saw the team do pretty well, you know. So I think that they are leaning towards the floor's uh, system, perhaps, and uh, trusting, trusting his thoughts and his uh, aspirations going forward at the quarterback position. I'm guessing uh, more than likely this came from him, yeah. No, it definitely, it, it seems to be that way, and yeah, it really just is like, is this something he wants to get him in and just like, because they like this guy, they think maybe, hey, this guy is going to, it's going to take him a while to actually get to know the system, like, or is like, this is also, or is they doing it like, this is the guy, let's get him in and let's get Rodgers It really just seems like it's another Favre uh, Rodgers situation when he's playing, and no, it, it's just inevitable, you know, like they drafted your backup in the first round and they, and you know, you know that, um, you know, you're being replaced. It's inevitable. You don't know when necessarily, but they're, they're waiting for a reason. And as soon as you show them, you know, you're, you're out basically. So, but on the other side, I think Aaron Rodgers is a kind of player 
as to where this kind of thing might might uh, encourage him to just play, you know, an all all out MVP caliber level. I I think that it's it that's that's obviously the only two ways he can go. But but I see him um, taking it taking it that way, taking it somewhat as a all right, you know, you have my backup, but I'm gonna show you that you don't need him for a couple of years, you know. And uh, he's gonna have to play that way if he wants to keep playing in Green Bay. Um, no, yeah, that's definitely a possibility. Uh, a, a lot of players, I mean, I think have had that situation where when somebody gets put in as to, to be their possible successor, it, it really feeds them. Right. I've also thought about. What if? What do you think a possible trade market could be for Aaron Rodgers? I don't see that big of a. I, I don't either. Like, as far as a trade market, it's because he's making so much so money much already. Up, but for to do that for an older quarterback who's in a win now, like a win mindset. now position, right? There's not too many teams shifting to that position. Uh, mm-hmm. Like the Colts, obviously with with Philip Rivers, maybe they're hanging out for a year, but. Maybe they're in that position, or uh, Patriots. Who knows going forward? Uh, I don't know, but <laughs> yes, I don't think there's too big of a market for him. Who knows? Just off of the uh, decreased level of play, which is no question. Um, but it's also no question that you um, he, he hasn't necessarily had the receivers that he's used to around him. Uh, he, he's used to having a couple of uh, all all star, all caliber players around him, and uh, there was one notable guy he was throwing to all season. And the fact that you don't use that first round pick on some offensive help—not necessarily a receiver, but a, a, an offensive, uh, a, someone that's going to come in and, and contribute right now—that just really makes me think that you know they're they're just setting the tone for the future, which baffles me when you have uh, a guy like Aaron Rodgers, you know? You're already one game away from the Super Bowl, the past. Right. Why would you go find his, his replacement? He needs help, you know? He was outscored every time he played the the uh, the uh, San Francisco, the Niners, every time he fell behind uh, in the first half. He needs, obviously, I'm not saying they have a terrible offense, obviously, they they had a they had a solid offense last year, but it's no question that they need help, um, and that was the reason that, that that they really couldn't thrive. They he really didn't have that much help, and and uh, the offensive line needs help. The whole offense and the fact that you go get a backup quarterback as of right now, yeah, I don't know, man. That that, that confuses me. Mm-hmm. I definitely uh, I, I don't know what they're thinking. They absolutely. Like I have to say, well, I hate the Packers worse. though. Like I, I, I cannot stand them. Ever since the Dez catch game, uh, oh. ever since then, it's just been like a mountain of like blows in the gut from the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, just like stacking on top, on top, on top of that. So like, so ever since then, I can't stand them. Um, so them pissing off their quarterback. Obviously, like I said, he he's the kind of guy that that can take that and run with it, and you know just kick some kick some ass all season. Or um, I think he's just going to get in his own head, possibly. You know that that's the other option. He just gets in his own head and is somewhat of a shell of himself. Um, and that, as a cowboy fan, a rival, um, that's what I want. So um, that's a possibility, and uh, I'm cool with it. Same thing with the Eagles quarterback situation so i'm cool with that i keep talking about their rivals i'm gonna go ahead and just start talking about them just because i think that they killed this draft um obviously it really depends on how dak and the offense clicks next year to see if they really you know killed and how the defense starts playing but as of right now on paper it looks like they really did well um i'm gonna go ahead and list off some notable picks so in the in the in the first round, obviously C.D. Lamb dropping to them at 17, which nobody saw coming. Dallas even said there was not one scenario they had getting C.D. Lamb uh, with the 17th pick. Uh, then they got Trayvon Diggs in the second round. 
Neville Gallimore uh, in the third round, defensive tackle. Uh, Reggie Robinson, another corner in the, in the uh, fourth round. Got a defensive tackle and then a quarterback in the seventh round. So really got really addressed uh, all of the all of the team's needs, I think. And then they really sharpened uh, already a strength uh, at, at the wide receiver position. Obviously, they did lose uh, their slot receiver this past year with Randall Cobb going to the Texans with a huge contract. Can't blame him. Um, but there was a, a little hole, you know, a small hole, and they went and got one of the best possible options to fill that hole, arguably, you know. And uh, so great pick at number one. As far as CD goes, I cannot believe he dropped a 17, you know, and we did see a receiver picked before him. Uh, I don't remember his name, the guy from Alabama. I thought he was the second pick. No, I think Judy went before him as well. Oh, no, you're right. Judy did go before him. Ruggs went 12th. Judy went 15th. Okay, so the fact that he was the third receiver taken, somewhat of a, a slap to him because some had him at number one and then uh, not picked by as far as receivers go. Um, like He was a projected top 10 or 11 pick. A lot of them had, a lot of people had him going 11 to the Jets. Um, but last year, he had 1,300 receiving yards, 14 receiving touchdowns, and his average receiving yard per catch uh, is at 21 yards. Uh, so a big play guy down the field, obviously per catch, he's averaging 20 yards. So he's a, he's a downfield receiver, which is what the Cowboys need. Uh, obviously, they need a slot guy, but they have a lot of guys they can throw in the slot, and they still even Cobb went out for some deep balls last year, and they, they, they ended up sending Tavon Austin out for some deep balls, you know? Uh, so that's just a glaring factor that they do need another deep threat. Besides Amari, Gallup, even though he did have over 1,000 yards, did have a whole lot of drops last season. I'm expecting him to sharpen up. Um, but the fact that he dropped a 17 with those kind of stats, we've, we've talked about it. It's crazy. No, yeah, he can, it can, he can really turn his production up if he uh, just fixes something up like that. And we saw Jerry and uh, Steven in there smiling, and we, we knew they were up to something. I thought it was going to be a trade for Jamal Adams, quite honestly. Um, I was getting kind of excited, but then I see CDM. No, you were trying to say that, but I, I'm telling you, man. They and don't, I, I know you shot that down, but I, I really thought they were going to make that. A big man uh, move for uh, safety or defensive back in general. I don't think they're going to get something like that. They're sticking to the draft for any like hey, that. Hey, I'm cool that man. You end up getting a, a all pro caliber receiver. You no, know, and I think I also saw they signed some as well. They did. Yes, I don't quite remember the essay right. They we have. Um, so in the second pick, they go and pick up Trayvon Diggs, uh, obviously corner from Alabama. I, uh, people honestly uh, are also had him going middle, mainly late in the first round. Yeah, first um, round talent for definitely sure. Definitely first round talent. That, that's no question. I think I saw that. Like that, that was interesting about this draft, dude. Like, there's so much first round talent. I honestly believe that. Like, it, it overflowed into the second round and almost even bits into like the third round. Like, there's some really, really good players, man. For sure, for sure. And the fact that he had, you know, 37 total tackles in 12 games, three interceptions, played at Alabama, obviously one of the top teams last year top schools in general um so yeah he's coming from a great from a great school he played some top talent there's no question about that played well and drops to you in the second round at at, uh, at for the 19th pick in the second round uh not bad we're gonna take that uh so great pick up there and then the last guy i want to talk about who i'm pretty excited about also uh neville gallimore got him in the third round was also projected to be a second round pick um, 29 total tackles, four sacks, and only 13, uh, sorry, 13 games. I'm happy about that four sacks. Uh, that's something the Cowboys really need, losing Robert Quinn um, and having Demarcus Lawrence not so much show up last year. So that's something they really need. And uh, I think they got at least those three guys, I think, are guys who can come in and start playing pretty much right away and help win. As far as the rest of the guys, like Reggie Robinson and Bradley Ane and Ben DiNucci, who'll be the backup quarterback, I think they'll 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 have their moment, they'll have their time. But those first three guys I talked about are the three I'm pretty excited about. 
No, I mean, honestly, uh, myself, I thought the uh, the center out of Wisconsin was also, like you said, the first three are going to be the immediate guys, but some of these other guys later, I think, uh, like this is an example, he's going to be someone who down the road is going to end up being a good pick. Um, and I also think even in Iowa as well, I remember watching him watched quite a bit of Utah over this past season, and he definitely can block up some room on the line right there. Yeah, that's also something they needed. Um, that was another hole, and again, they addressed it. You've got multiple guys who can try and pick up that uh, slack now, so that's good. Yeah, exactly. Um, so to wrap up this section, who's a team you think uh, let the cow like the Cowboys um, really hit a home run and kind of you know uh, killed the draft? Like I was saying earlier, I uh, think the uh, Patriots did pretty well. I think the 49ers did really well with Jimmy Brandon and Oak. Is, uh, he's a really good receiver. I think he's pretty explosive, and it's obvious that they needed that. I think they already needed one, still even another one last year. And now that they lose Sanders, they definitely hold there at receiver. The whole trade as well with uh, getting rid of DeForest Bunkner and they're able to plug that back up with Kinlaw. I think Kinlaw's going to be a pretty dang good player, honestly. Uh, and the fact that they can have had their tackle who's retiring and then traded for Trent Williams, I just, overall, they did great. I mean, how, how better... You, you do want to do an off season like after losing the Super Bowl, you know? Mm-hmm. Like they, I don't, they just up, upgraded and they're just ready to go and be back at it next season. So you got the Niners, Patriots did pretty well. Yeah, I agree with you. I saw Baltimore uh, getting some good picks, uh, and then the fact that the Patriots, we saw them obviously. Uh, not selecting a quarterback with any of their picks, uh, I think this is a uh, somewhat of a notion that uh, they have their guy for the season, and uh, next season is the is the money round, right? That's the way, that's when they make the big decision. Yeah, um, they said that it wasn't their plan. Yeah, no, yeah, he's like, it wasn't my. He's like, uh, I just kind of happened that way. I'm like, man, um, you don't trade out of the first round. Not wanting a quarterback. If yeah. I'm thinking about it realistically, I don't know. They were probably giving Jordan Love and Herbert some look. But I think they really and, – and also I heard uh, they were looking at the guy at uh, FIU, Tanner Morgan. But, yeah, I don't know. I just – I can't necessarily blame them. Like, it's not the end of the world – it, there is some good quarterbacks in here, but next season. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not like mad they didn't pick one. Um, I'm kind of frustrated they came out and said they didn't. Like it just kind of happened that way. Like no, you planned on not selecting it. That was part of your plan. Uh, you're building up that defense. Got another no, tight end. Like that. That was the plan. Traded out in the first round and everything, like we always do, instead of. Having could have moved up, but we traded out of there for two. No, yeah, and you know he doesn't have to pay first round money for anybody, which is what he wants. And uh, I'm sure he still got the guys he wanted. And uh, yeah, overall, there's not a team who I can say. Oh, you know what else too? Oh, what? I think the Panthers did a really good job. In okay. This draft. I, and, and all around, I think just since Matt Rule has gotten to Carolina, he has been implementing once he's gotten the coordinator he wants. He spent most of the offseason getting the offensive guys he wants, and it was very obvious that once it came to the draft time, he got the defensive guys that he wanted. And I just think he, he's been killing it. Uh, I'm really excited to see them play this upcoming year. I think Derek Brown is is a good... He's not good just in terms of his talent, but 
it's just a good staple player to now have on your defense after uh, Luke Keekly retiring. He's going to be a good personality, a good face everybody can look at. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He does. He has a talent to you know match with that as well. And I'm really uh, think, I think that was really good. And going into the second round with them getting uh, Jeremy Chin out of Southern Illinois, that was a great pick. Similar to an Isaiah Thomas or Isaiah Simmons, my bad, is that he's uh, an everywhere on the defensive side, you know? No, he can play he's all safety, over. But he'll play some safety. He'll play some slot. He'll play some right. outside corner. Like, you know, you can throw him in blitzes too. Like, he does all of it. He's got a really big body. I believe he's 6'3". He's 221. I mean, with that kind of size... And I, a uh, uh, good forty as well, uh, four, 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 five, forty. I mean, he, he's pretty much guaranteed to have success. I, and then you know, that's just with the top two picks. I think throughout the draft they got even more players, but I just want to highlight those two as the big ones. No, definitely great, great, great additions there at the end. Um, like I said, no doubt, great NFL draft, first virtual draft overall. Everybody, I think, had a great time watching it. I think every or every team arguably got better, which is what you want in the draft, which is why they have the draft. So um, I enjoyed it. Uh, but as for me and Austin, we're going to go ahead and take a break. And uh, when we get back, we're going to go ahead and discuss uh, some NBA stuff, some current and then some not so current. We'll be right back. All right. Guys, welcome back. Uh, so me and Austin decided uh, to start this segment, uh, start this half of the show off by talking about the news um, the NBA released. So the NBA is planning on uh, opening all of their or most of their practice facilities, depending on location and you know as far as the virus goes and all all of the cases. What those look like, it really depends on what. Uh, what, what those numbers look like uh, to determine what facilities are going to open and what aren't. Um, but they're planning to open some facilities in the beginning of May. Uh, Austin, I was uh, curious, uh, what are your thoughts on them doing this uh, so soon, perhaps, you know? Um, with, honestly, how much I've seen... Uh, players saying they don't have hoops and they haven't been, you know, touching a basketball at all. And, I mean, I think it's good in that sense. Even if it isn't necessarily just like, hey, this is the NBA season, getting ready to start right back up. Just if they can even just get back with each other, I think that's just good, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, even in just more of a, a, a the simple sense of just them being able to get back around with the, with their coaches and, and their teammates and just being able to just have that camaraderie and just be able to uh, be around them. And I think that'll just help them out a lot. Yeah, you know, they're getting a chance to start build that team chemistry all over again, you know, because they kind of, it's kind of almost like a training camp, training camp again. Um, you know, you're getting back together with all the guys somewhat uh, for the first time in a long time or in months, and uh, this is the first time, at least for most of the guys in the NBA right now, this is the first time they've had to take uh, a huge break like this in the season. Uh, uh, you know, some have had injuries and stuff, so they know, but a lot of guys, uh, this is the first time in this time period, uh, in the year at least, you know, they're, they're used to playing basketball and being being with their teams on the road, and I think everybody is just itching to get back. Uh, my only concern is if it's too soon. Uh, obviously, uh, it's all revolving around the numbers and the cases in, in the different states, which is great, uh, which is the most important thing, obviously. But um, that, that's why I'm a little concerned. I just hope uh, all the players remain healthy. They need to limit the contact with the outside world especially when they all come back 
because they need to think about all 15 guys on the team, the training staff, the coaches, everybody. Everybody's affected in their families. So uh, being that close in contact with people, it can be scary right now, not knowing where those people have been and stuff. So that's my only concern. They really need to stress to these players uh, that they are going to make or break this season with how seriously they're treating this. You know, that's going to make or break it. And uh, it really depends on how they're treating it, if they're doing the proper quarantine, uh, social distancing, the whole lot. Um, So I think that it's really going to depend on that, you know? No, I hear what you're saying. And that's also my my only concern. That that's everybody's concern, obviously. Um, but on the pro side, I want to let's let's not just talk negatives. Let's talk pros. So on the pro side, yeah, they're getting to build back the team chemistry. Obviously, um, they're getting a chance to just get a ball in their hands, possibly for the first time in a couple months, which is insane for these guys to do. Um, even sometimes when they are injured, they're still around the game, the training staff, the environment. They're just sitting at home, uh, and then they're somewhat going to be expected to jump right back into the season in, in NBA playoffs. You know, that's a lot to ask, and and I think it's good to open them up if if safe and uh, get the players rolling again, uh, because obviously the main concern now with them playing in such short amount of time. Uh, as far as practice goes and the like startup is, is injuries. That's the biggest concern. And the earlier they can get started safely is the better. And uh, then we can start to uh, not erase because we can never erase injury concerns, but uh, less uh, have them go down, you know, and not be so worried uh, having them play only off a couple weeks of practice. Um, so the earlier, the better. Yeah, if if uh, safe, like I said. It, it yeah it you know you got to make sure everyone just is really uh cautious about everything but if everything can play out in the right way it, it's a good sign but obviously not all facilities will be opened i know steve kerr came out and just said bluntly uh even if we can reopen our uh, facilities we're not um, there's no point to. Uh, if I'm the Warriors, honestly, if I can, I, I take the fine. I just sit out the rest of the season. <laughs> I take a fine because, what, they're going to play 10 games in the regular season. If I'm the Warriors, I don't get out of bed to go lose 10 games anyway. You know? Um, I don't get out of bed for that, and I, I take the fine if I'm Bob Myers, the general manager, and uh, I, I, I say, okay, we'll pay it, and uh, we'll keep our guys healthy and safe. And uh, we'll we'll lose those games anyway. What's the point of us going out and risking our lives? You know. Well, what do the other thirty-one teams do in the league? Or you know, like. Well, you know, there are a lot of teams I in playoff contention. In the Warriors. But they are, Seriously. without doubt, the worst team in the NBA. And I, I don't think anybody would have a real problem. Obviously, the NBA would have to do whatever they would have to. Fine what wise. The team they're supposed to play. They they get a win. Gets the night off. It sucks about the night off, but like again, if I'm the Warriors, I'm pff, I'm not getting out of bed for that. That sucks for the other teams, possibly playing them to get ready for the playoffs. But is playing the Warriors really going to get you ready for playoffs? For the playoffs at this point, they're going to be a bunch of just misfits out there at this point, especially not playing together for so long. I mean, you're you're not wrong. I know that's like controversial, but like, I don't see the point if I'm them. That's uh, it's definitely very interesting. But again, if I saw other teams doing that, I might be upset. I understand. Uh, but again, if I'm the Warriors, I uh, either way they're trying to tank, and either way they're gonna try to lose those last games if they end up playing them, and. Uh, yeah, as far as the teams who will go back and play, I'm I'm excited for those, especially the Lakers, Bucks, Clippers. Uh, I've heard Giannis, you know, he doesn't he doesn't even have a hoop. I've heard at least that was in the earlier stages of the quarantine. He came out saying that he doesn't even have a basketball hoop and hasn't been playing at all. Um, so especially for guys like him, 
they uh, a possible MVP caliber guy. I, I'm curious to see how they come back, not touching a basketball for months. No, yeah, definitely. Like that, that's you, you always see. Well, for the most part, when it comes around, everybody's like in shape for the most part. Like, as far as like the beginning of the season. Yeah, like, yeah. You never like. It would be so interesting to see just all these players, like some of them have just been shooting every single day, and other dudes have literally not even thought about it. Like, be kind of wild. Yeah. I think we're gonna be able be to a lot of, tell. There's uh, gonna be a lot of Shaq in a full. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like I said, I think we're going to be able to tell who those people are, you know. Honestly, I think we will as far as, like, shooting percentage and, and that goes. Um, we're going to see how that is and, and how people's uh, rhythm and cardio, you know. Cardio is going to be a big factor. Have these guys been keeping themselves in game-time shape? I can answer that right now. No. You know, the only way you're in game time shape is playing basketball, and these guys haven't been doing that unless they've been running miles and miles a day, you know what I mean? Because in a basketball game, we know you're running miles, and uh, the only way to keep that up is if you keep that same pace. And uh, with the factors going around around us, people probably haven't been able to, you know? Um, but I think more than likely more than the bad the good is going to outweigh the bad if everything uh obviously is safe and uh yeah i'm excited to see teams get back at it back to the old grind and anything that gets us closer to nba playoffs uh i'm happy with and i'm encouraging so yeah i uh, second that one so let's uh shift to the last dance episode three and four Episodes 3 and 4 were aired this week. Uh, Episode 3 mainly being about Dennis Rodman, you know, the bad boy on the team, coming from the Pistons. Uh, Episode 4 mainly about those bad boy Pistons who also did have Dennis Rodman. Uh, Austin, since you didn't get really a chance to to watch Episode 3, even though you really didn't get a chance to watch it, I want to start with that episode because you still have... You know well enough knowledge about Dennis Rodman, um, so all the things that I learned, you know, him him being the only the only boy growing up in his family, uh, that having an effect on his personality, which it definitely did. Him, um, you know, always looking for a home, kind of in the NBA, kind of like a misfit, uh, didn't necessarily belong anywhere. Uh, was just kind of looking for a team to take him in, take a chance on him, because we saw other teams kind of bail on him. And uh, just a story, and an underrated story, I think, and one that I didn't necessarily know of. You know? Oh, yeah. Uh, it really is interesting. Um, some of these players have just had the most craziest journeys to get where they were at, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and especially when you, get, when you go back and you don't know about that, and you see, you know, you just kind of... You see, you see the accomplishments on the court, but you don't see the off-court stuff, and right. it really kind of opens your eyes. It makes the on like that off-court stuff just makes the on-court stuff that much sweeter, you know? Yeah, it, I can agree with that. It definitely adds to it. And uh, like the personal conflict, and uh, the, the fact that I don't know if you knew this story. I'm sure you heard of it since you missed part of it, but uh, the fact that Rodman, when Scotty came back. Uh, or, or in the midst of Scotty being hurt, was just so overwhelmed and stressed about you know his workload. He just told Phil, and Phil was totally cool about it. Like, hey, I need a vacation mid-season. Like, I, 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 if you guys don't want me to have a mental breakdown, I gotta get out of here for as long. And they're like, how long do you need? And he's like, I need months. And they're like, nope, can't do that. And he's like, well, how long can I be gone? And they're like, give you forty-eight hours. And he's like, well, deal. And we all know Dennis Rodman. That wasn't 48 hours. It went a little longer than that, obviously. Um, but the fact that he went to Phil and Phil was that good of a coach to know his player and know to get the best out of him, they're going to have to miss him for a game maybe or, or a little while for a few practices and uh, let him just go relieve his stress and be himself. You know, the fact that Phil did that, the more I see about Phil Jackson, the more respect I have and the more I'm like, 
this dude's like getting credibility or like respect as far as like the best coach ever in my opinion you know no yeah i did i saw that little bit of a clip of, of, of phil just like saying and how like him saying about like talking about it and stuff and he's yeah, really like nonchalant he's like yeah it's like i'm on yeah, I'm an understand. Like I'm a person. I understand. Like I think that was really funny. I, I I don't know why more coaches don't really have that kind of approach to things at times. Honestly. Hey man, not everyone's Phil Jackson, you know. You know, you see it worked with Phil, but um, yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, uh, but no, it was it was it's funny though. He, wow, I need all this time off. He's like, well, we definitely can't do that. Yeah, we'll do a little bit though. He's like, we'll give you two days. He's like, all right, I'll make it like four days, five days, but it's cool. <laughs> and you'll have to come dig me out of bed. But <laughs> uh, the fact that uh, I, I, I learned this awesome quote, I don't remember who where I heard it from. I know who said it, though. So uh, Phil Jackson apparently somewhat learned this from uh, Jimmy Johnson, uh, Cowboys coach. And uh, – he says how he, he coaches uh, as far as his approach to coaching players. It's the same for every single player. Different. <laughs> I like that. How awesome is that, right? I do like that. That's just like... The complete opposite motto of Bill Belichick. Right? I can work with it. That's just like the coaching that, you know, I aspire for and I love and the stuff that I look for. And Phil obviously had that kind of mentality with him and uh, coaching everybody different. You know, he knew he had to coach Dennis hard at times. And then other times he had to be like, all right, with the whole trip thing, he needs a space. He needs he needs some leniency, you know. Um, obviously, Michael, he knew how to coach him. Scotty was on his side with the whole contract thing, was more of a pro player type of coach um and uh obviously we saw it working out for him. i don't know how we started talking about phil but you know he's just great um rodman i think is the underrated uh factor of the those uh championships he won with the bulls and uh he, he obviously everyone knows scotty and pippen were the two uh overwhelming factors but you know what he did on the on the defensive side, the uh, rebounding side on the glass, all the dirty work as far as like being the bad boy and getting into people's heads, uh, you know he thrived in that and that was his role and he did that perfectly for the team and I don't think they win necessarily as much. They still win championships with 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 uh, the two they have obviously, um, but but he's an underlying factor to those that that I think goes under undervalued. No, oh, yeah, he definitely. If you let's say if you, if you were to watch that game and you're like, the the prime matchup is going to be Jordan and whoever is that best player on the other team, and you know obviously yeah, Scotty's the dude, but like yeah, Dennis is the X factor, you know like exactly. He, he might not be that guy, but he's going to have such a drastic impact on the game's final outcome. As much as you might not notice it right away, like. It, it's it's very crucial. No, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna get a block on a, in a crucial time, you know, in the third late third quarter when like momentum swinging, they're gonna get into a, a little bit of a push, a little bit of a shove. He's gonna shove the guy out of bounds or something, you know. He's gonna get into that team's head, and uh, yeah, I loved what I saw from him. All the, all the footage, obviously, somewhat of a he, the the stereotypical word. Even he admitted it around him is is you know crazy, and. Uh, and you get that from his appearance and, and, and his personality, you know? It's just, like, out there and not, yeah, not necessarily was, crazy in a bad way. For all purposes, like, the first rock star personality yeah. in the NBA. That was, that was the uh, perfect way I think they described him. Yeah, he, he was the NBA's rock star, bad boy rock star, you know? Oh, yeah, and he, he lived it, too. Oh, he loved it and uh, thrived, and that's obviously what he made his built his career around. And uh, yeah, I loved learning what I did about him, and the, like him him studying uh, the ball coming off, like the ball hitting the rim, and where that ball hit the rim, he knew where the ball was going. Did you see that clip of him? Like, okay, the ball hits here, I'm going over here. Ball hits here, I'm going oh, this way. Yeah, like that. And uh, like he puts that much work into it. The underlying, you know what I mean? Like 
wow, this dude, he doesn't just jump and get the rebounds. You know what I mean? Like, he, he puts, there is thought behind grabbing rebounds. Who knew? Like, there's oh, that much exactly. thought. Exactly. It, it, yeah, people don't, like, you can you can break things down. It's like so, like, so it's, Kobe it's Bryant-esque, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I, I love that. I didn't know half yeah, of what I did it, about him. Um, a lot of people. They definitely, uh, that was something new to them. I mean, my girlfriend, even not being a, a sports fan without knowing anything about this stuff, wanted to go watch a uh, Dennis Rodman documentary afterwards Afterwards, um, just because of the interest with, with him and his personality on the team. You know what I mean? That character almost. And uh, that, that just proves it, how, how people just are, uh, tend to, you know, uh, go to him or, or you know somewhere or brought to him and want to watch and see what he's doing you know you're definitely intrigued you're intrigued but just by you're looking at him like what's that guy's story you know that's what you want to know when looking at him um but yeah great episode for episode three as far as episode four go uh goes awesome man that was i think my favorite of the two um, just really exclusively zoning in on the rivalry between Michael and the Bulls in the early years and those Pistons, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about old-school brutal rivalries, obviously you have Lakers-Celtics, uh, but you have to include these guys as well. I mean, they were the only, like they were the real... Uh, trying to think of like a word but they're the real first people to uh and like only people to really stop jordan and, they know, were the biggest obstacle in his career for sure yeah that, that's a good way yeah uh they're the, they were the speed bump you know and you know you can only expect that with an all-time team like they were um jordan basically knew with the team he had uh there's no way i can beat these guys he did his all-out best obviously that we saw but just getting the crap beat out of him every time they played he was a solo star but um couldn't do it get the job done as a team um but what he had to do was just kind of wait it out for a couple of years that that team got old uh, older at least you know not they weren't at least in the same prime level they were when they were beating him up in the prior years and uh he had a better team around him and you know, they took the chance, and, you know, once they once they rolled over the Pistons, they never really looked back. No, I mean, I think they really they showed a great job at, in uh, how their the mindset for the whole team of Chicago uh, changed, you know. After losing to the Pistons like that multiple times uh, going into the offseason, they didn't, like they said, they didn't go on vacation. They went straight to work. And this is when no, Jordan yeah, yeah, yeah. He took that next step. He started lifting weights, and he started. He already was the most, just like athletic, skilled. Period. Like you can have strength in that natural sense, but like if you have, and if you do have that strength naturally, once you start uh, pumping some iron, dude, it's gonna change you. You are just gonna elevate, and you're gonna be so much stronger than anybody else. And it's clear that's what happened after he was able to bulk up. Uh, they weren't able to bully on him like they were the previous years. Exactly, man. And uh, he just had to wait for his time. And like I said, when his time came, they just came and steamrolled him. And uh, but the fact that you know that we have those Jordan rules, you know, and uh, you know, um, strictly because of those guys beating the crap out of him uh, so much, uh, that was you know what I mean. They had the rules, and it was that that was it beat the crap out of Michael Jordan and and uh, we know that he will not be able to beat us by himself if we continue to you know play the way we're playing as far as intensity defensive scheme stuff like that um, it was obvious they were zoning in on him and they were going to let the other four guys beat them and they knew the other four guys were not going to beat them no exactly and that, that, that Isaiah Thomas Michael Jordan rivalry, which you can tell is still going to this day, um, in the in, in the documentary, you can tell Michael Jordan's in at least. There's not there's not a whole bunch of favor on that end, you know, uh, or uh, pleasantness on that end as far as regard for Isaiah Thomas, um, especially 
uh, when the when the tables were turned and it was Michael's turn and they ended up beating the Pistons and 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 Isaiah and the other stars pouted and you know uh, stormed off the court and that's been the big controversy now you know uh, Isaiah in in the documentary obviously came out and said uh, I, I I stand by what I did I have no uh, remorse. Uh, guys didn't do that back then after we got beat we simply walked off the court even though guys around guys in the documentary and then there was video proof you know when michael was beat from these guys beat the crap out of beat the crap out of you know might you add um in that fashion he's still after those games after he got swept or after he lost to him um went and shook their hands you know that's the common courtesy thing to do and the fact that we're even talking about this 30 years later just kind of shows like that rivalry still still burning there you know no you were definitely right um and uh from what i have seen isaiah isn't necessarily wrong there has been other cases where other teams just walking straight off of the court but that even adds to it more if you have someone, you know, of Jordan who was getting beat those times and still was able to, like, you got to show that respect back. You know, yeah, after you beat him and he still showed you respect, you know? Yeah, it's like you, you, you kind of almost, like, played yourself into a bigger, like, like by saying that. You're it's asking like, for it, yeah. Uh, it, it really just kind of his excuses coming out of his mouth. I mean... Like, like I said, he isn't wrong, but that doesn't mean you still shouldn't have done it. Like, And I, I don't like the fact either that he's so wishy-washy on it now. You know, in the documentary, we see him standing up by his point, and then now uh, we saw him the morning after it came out, him on a sports talk show uh, apologizing for something he did for 30 years ago. Um, so that just kind of shows he, he's a people pleaser. You know, he's, he's trying to please everybody. He doesn't want anyone to be mad at him. He's a charming guy, nice guy. Um, as far as like deep down values, who knows <laughs> what he's really like. Uh, maybe those on court actions kind of did show who he's really like, but who am I to judge? Um, but you can just see the, the hate and the rivalry that, that's still in Mike, just looking back and reliving these memories, you can see it in his eyes. His red, yellow eyes, but still you can see it in his eyes. No, you're not You're not wrong. <laughs> um, just his whole demeanor when he's kind of talking about the situation. It, it, it shows. He's trying to play it off, but like it's like, yeah, I don't know, Michael. You're still talking about it, though. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah you're still talking about it. <laughs> you know, that... that that makes me think that it, it did cut deep a little bit, and uh, you, you care more than you think, more than you say, at least. And, yeah, uh, I think same he, thing with Isaiah. Yeah, um, I agree with you. But man, I can't wait. Uh, every episode, like we said last week, has been great. Um, episodes five and six next week. I'm not sure what they're. Have you seen any news about what they're supposed to be about? Oh, is it about the sh- like Nike? As for like shoe deals and stuff, as far as one of them, I thought I saw. As for like advertisements, I think it was like majoring or uh, uh, mainly going to be about like Michael and like the advertisement shoe industry. Did you hear that? No, as well? but I that I could see that. I thought I saw that. I'm sure, that has to get incorporated at some point. Obviously. No, he is. Yeah, right. The shoes got to be put in. He's got to sell some more shoes at some point during the stock. And this is the episode, I think. And. Uh, yeah, I can't wait going forward. Any closing remarks about the Last Dance episodes, Austin? No, I mean, it's just, other than that, it's it's awesome. It's been a fun thing to watch, man. And especially with the drought of sports, it's coming in handy. It's coming in right in time. Uh, definitely, everyone's having a great time watching it. I think everybody loves talking about it, too, reliving the memories for those who are... Uh, able to experience it firsthand um and then for people who haven't had the chance to quite experience it we're getting to live it right through their eyes you know we're getting real emotions to real documentary crew capturing how they felt in that exact moment and uh we're lucky i think to get that that much you know how much we're getting is insane 
No, yeah, it's it's packed, man. Well, definitely, and uh, we'll keep you guys posted going forward. But as far as this episode goes uh, for Dudes Talking Sports, I think that's going to be it. And uh, Austin and I will catch you guys next week. Thanks for listening.